Thank you for joining us for this message from Cornerstone Community Church in Lynchburg, Virginia. Here's Pastor Willie Taylor. Today's message, which is part two of last week's message, but with a different title. The title of today's message is, What is God Looking and Listening for in Leaders? Now, we started the course last week and we said, that one thing we know, probably the most important thing, is for us to be obedient to God's word with a a pure heart. Let's look at James chapter 1. Let's review with that verse there. Verse 22. It says, But prove yourselves doers of the word and not merely hearers who delude themselves. The Amplified would read, but be doers of the word, obey the message, and not merely listen to it, betraying yourselves into deception by reasoning contrary to the truth. And sometimes we do that. We have what we call an excuse, a reason, and that's not what God is looking for, reasons to disobey his word. Last week we also read some scriptures to you that related to that topic of trusting in in God pleasing God and John first John three twenty two says whatever we ask whatever we ask I mean whatever we ask we receive from him because we keep his commandments and do the things that are pleasing in his sight. Another one is I read was from Hebrews chapter 11, verse 6. And most of all of us know that. And without faith, it is impossible to please him. Impossible to please him. <clears throat> because or for he who comes to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. And that diligently seek is a continuous, continuously repeating. And it's diligently, diligently, diligently seeking him. And the last one I review is John, the Gospel of John, chapter 8, verse 29. Jesus was saying that, and he who sent me, is with me. Be, uh, he has not left me alone. Now, why hasn't he left him alone? It says, for, or we can say because, I always do the things that are pleasing to him. And when Jesus said, I always do things pleasing to him, we want to be just like our Lord and Savior, 
We always want to do things that are pleasing to him. And last week we uh, were in Numbers in chapter 13 when God told Moses to send out the 12 spies. Let's uh, just start in verse 13, uh, verse uh, 32, Numbers 13. Let's go there. And 32, let's go there, and 33. 32 says, so they gave out to the sons of Israel a bad report of the land which they spied out, saying, the land through which we have gone and and spied it out is a land that devours its inhabitants. And all the people whom we saw (laughs) in it are men of great stature. And the sons of Anak, of course, was there, which was the giants. And and they said we were like grasshoppers in their sight. Let's go to now where we are going to start in chapter 14 of Numbers. Let's go there. Now, it, it, it's, um, it's titled, What is God Looking For? What is God looking for and listening for in his leaders? Now, first of all, we probably have to say, well, who are God's leaders? Are we really talking about uh, Joshua? Are we talking about Caleb? Like we talked about last week, Caleb. Are we talking about uh, Moses? Are we talking about the 12 apostles? Are we talking about, who are we talking about when we talk about leaders? Well, when you think about it, as we go through the scriptures from Genesis to Revelation, we know that if you have a, have a wife, then you're supposed to lead that wife, young man. Because it says so in the, in the, in the scripture. The book's going to stop at you. Uh, and, and if you have, a, have children, the parents are po- supposed to lead the children, not the children lead the, lead the parents. So you, you're still going to be leaders. If you're in a job, you might end up being overseeing somebody. You still have to lead. You have to lead regardless. And if you get right down to it, Every last one of us are leaders because you have to lead your own self. We have a mind, we have a will, we have emotions, we have intellect, we have a flesh. We have to do things that God has told us to do, and we can't follow our flesh. Would you agree with that? So therefore, we're supposed to lead. According to the word of God, we're supposed to lead. So now, I say the message that God is giving to his leaders, those, of course, 12 that were sent out, he's given to us also. I want to glean from it. How many of you did the assignment that I gave you? Well, let's say uh, how many of you were able to do it because you might have forgotten 
Lots two, three, four, okay. Good. Okay. Good. Let's start there, and then I want to um, ask you, did you glean anything that you want to share with the congregation? Um, you say, well, why did you give us this assignment if you weren't going to ask for it? Oh, I didn't forget. That's for sure. And I want to give you an opportunity if you want to share with the congregation something. We're in Numbers chapter 14. Let's start off in verse 1. Then all the, now remember I just read 13, 32, 33. So we know that, we know that they, 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 they said some things that were not true. Because God said the land, he was leading them flows with milk and honey. So when they, when they gave the bad report, then that, that was not good. Then all the congregation lifted up their voices and cried. And the people wept that night. Isn't that great leadership? That you're supposed to be great leaders. Now, that would be pretty bad if you have, if, if you have children. And we facing a pandemic of uh, things of that nature. Um, it might be financial. It might be whatever it could be. And we tell our children, oh, I don't know what we're going to do. It's going to be bad. I don't know. And you start crying and weeping all night. What do you think your children are going to do? Are they going to say, hey, this go- it's going to be okay. I will lead you, Mom and Dad. I'll lead you. No. They're going to follow suit with you. They, they, they're taking their key from, from you and their cue from you. And that's what people do when they uh, ordain a leader or someone has uh, uh, been ordained by God as a leader. People are looking for somebody who is going to encourage them, going to lead them. Okay. And any time that, as Stella said, Jehoshaphat, um, God is not going to be one <coughs> to say, well, Jehoshaphat, you know what? It's a lot of folks that's coming against you. And if it was just a few, I could handle it. But since it's a lot, I don't know what you're going to do. Now, Jehoshaphat would not have sent out the praisers. He would have sent out the mourners probably, but not the praisers. You know, not the praisers. So God is expecting something from leaders, and I want to know, God, what are you expecting to hear and to see? Because God hears everything. Everything. He hears it. So I'm going to come back to there, and I want to go just in, in, the, in the New Testament just for just a little bit, and then I come back to that. I was planning on going there and then finish up there. Let's go to Acts. You remember uh, in Acts uh, what was going on? 
in chapter, let's go to chapter 6 in Acts. And in verse 1 through 8, it says, Now, at this time, while the disciples were increasing in number, a complaint arose in, on the part of the Hellenistic Jews against the native Jew, uh, Hebrews. And the Hellenistic ones were those who were uh, speaking Greek and, and uh, uh, they had the Greek culture and all those type of things. And so we had some complaining going on. Now we need leadership. Let's see what God's going to do. They were complaining because their widows were being overlooked in the daily serving of food. Now, to me, this is not a big thing in this day of time. We need somebody to take food to the ones who are widows who don't have food. We, we need to take care of them, but we don't need to be partial. We need to take care of all the widows. Whoever qualified, that's what we're going to do. We're going to do that. But they weren't doing that. Some of the ones were being neglected. So the 12 summoned, summoned the congregation of the disciples and said, It is not desirable for us to neglect the word of God in order to serve tables. Now, it was not because they were uh, so uppity that they, you know, that's beneath them. But they had to be doing what God called them to do. It said, therefore, brethren, select from among you seven men of good report. Good reputation. Okay, so that's, that's one thing. So we know as leaders we need to be of good reputation from those without and those within. You have to watch what you say, watch what you do. You can't be doing anything, saying anything, because you won't have a good reputation. So leaders, God wants leaders who have a good reputation from those out, from out, and those in. Then he says, full of the Spirit. So full of the Holy Spirit and of wisdom, whom we may put in charge of this task. Now, to me, that sounds odd that just to take some food over to Sister So-and-So, I got to be full of the Holy Ghost. I got to be full of wisdom. I got to have a good report from all the neighbors and the everybody and those within the church just to take some food over? See, it seemed odd to me. But now, this is what was said. Verse 4, but we will devote ourselves to prayer and to ministry of the word. That's what the apostles are going to do. Verse 5, 
the statement found approval with the whole congregation. And they chose Stephen, a man full of faith. So we got there now. You got to have a good reputation, full of the Holy Ghost, full of wisdom. And now you're supposed to be full of faith. Isn't that what we're talking about now? We're talking about those people in the those 12 spies that went out. They're supposed to be just like this because from Genesis to Revelation, God hasn't changed. He hasn't lowered, lowered his standards. And it's saying here that they need to be full of wisdom, full of the Holy Ghost, full of faith. That's trusting in God. And see, I say ten of those were not full of faith. They couldn't have been full of faith from what happened. But God said, I don't care if you're going to just serve meals. I want you full of faith. That's what I want you, full of faith. I don't want you, I don't, I want, I don't want you doing things. For me, if you're not going to be full of faith, full of wisdom, full of the Holy Ghost, and a good report, I don't, I don't want you doing that. I said, wow. And so, verse 8 says, and Stephen, full of grace. Now, actually, that word grace, it means full of faith. Because that grace has a strong number of 4102. And uh, that 4102 is faith. Grace is actually 54. 85 is charis. It's a totally different word. But some uh, manuscripts, they um, said it's faith, and some said, most of them said grace. But regardless, we know that we need grace, don't we? We need the grace of God. But I was just giving you something a little technical there so you know. Now, what was Stephen doing? He was performing great wonders and signs among the people. So, now I said, oh, okay. So, God expects, if you're just taking food to widows, I want you to pray for them. I want you to pray for them. I want you to see what they have in the other needs. Because people have needs, and we have, um, we're not doing it at this particular time because of the pandemic, but we have Brian and Becky, they, they are in charge of the hospital visitation. And every time they came to see me in the hospital, they prayed for me. Is that right? You, you prayed. And they're going to pray for people. That's what they want to do, pray for people. And so if they're taking food, 
it's still the same thing. You're going to pray for somebody. You're going to pray for them. So you need to be full of wisdom, full of power, full of the Holy Ghost. Because God wants to work through you. And you've got to have faith, without a doubt, that your prayer is going to be answered. Let's go to Joshua. That's, a, that's another one that I said, uh, hmm, okay. Let's see what, what God is saying. Because, uh, see, Moses, we, we're going to go to Joshua chapter 1. Moses had died, and uh, now it's time for God to choose someone else. So, so we're, we're in um, Joshua chapter 1, and we're going to go down a little bit because um, down to verse 6. Let's skip some of the other. We know that, we, let me fill you in. Moses died, and he's saying, okay, Joshua, I want you to take over now. So what did God tell him? Since Joshua now has to take this big responsibility, step in the shoes of Moses, and he has been Moses' minister, Moses' servant, since he was young, since he was a youth. He, he was with Moses the whole time, going up the mountain, like I said, at different times he was with Moses. Okay, now, It says, be strong and courageous, for you shall give this people possession of the land, which I swore to their fathers to give them. So the, so the, he's telling Joshua, it's going to take some strength, brother. You're going to have to be strong. You're not going to just um, tiptoe around and think you're going to lead a million of two million people, you're going to have to be strong. Then he tells them in verse 7, only be strong and very courageous and be careful to do according to all the law which Moses, my servant, commanded you. Do not turn from it uh, to the right or to the left. I want you to do what I've asked you to do. Then he tells them, this book of the law shall not depart from your heart, from your mouth, but I want you, I want you to meditate on it day and night so that you'll be able to uh, do according to all that's written in, therein, for then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have success. Verse 9 says, have I not commanded you to be strong and courageous? Do not tremble or be dismayed, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Now, he's still saying the same thing, and we go to verse 16. The people telling Joshua, hey, all that you have commanded us, we will do. And wherever you send us, we will go. That sounds so good, doesn't it? But we know that that's just talk. And as a leader, you have to know that they, that, that they mean well. They really want to do this. Unless they come up with some, some obstacles, come against obstacles. Then it's a different story. 
He says, just as we obeyed Moses. Really? Come on. Just as we obeyed Moses in all things. Oh, come on. He must be hallucinating when they're talking to them. But he has sense enough to say in verse 18, anyone who rebels against you, your commands, and does not obey your words in all that you command, him shall be put to death. Only be strong and courageous. A leader has to be strong and courageous. If you, if you, if you have children, you're going to have to be strong and courageous because they're not going to want to do everything you tell them to do. Can the parents agree to that? They're not going to always want, want you to. They're not going to always want to do what you want them to do. You're going to have to be strong enough to to uh, say, "Look, I said you're not going to do this right here, so there's no need to keep asking." I don't care what you can you can cry, you can slam door. It, it doesn't matter. But you are not going to do this over here. So you have to be strong. Anytime you're leading people, you have to be strong. Let's go back to now Numbers, where we were. Chapter 14. We finish verse 1. Verse 2. All the sons of Israel grumbled against Moses and Aaron. Now that's important. You have to know as leaders that any time you're leading anybody, your children or anybody else, come on now, I'm, I'm serious now, you know your children sometimes will complain. You know sometimes, men, your wives will complain. And don't say amen, because uh, you got to go home. <laughs> Anybody you leading, sometimes they're not going to agree with you. That's why you have to be strong and very courageous. So they really complained against Moses and Aaron. And the whole congregation said to them, would that we had died in the land of Egypt. Or would that we had died in this wilderness. Oh, no. Do you hear what they said? God is not looking for leaders to say things that's against his word, against his will. That's not having faith in him. Jehoshaphat could have said, we're not sending out no praises. You must be crazy, man. We're going to send the, the, the mighty men out front. We'll send them out front. No, trust God. He said, the battle is not yours. The battle is mine. So we'll send the praises out. See, they said something, and that was not smart. Let's look at verse 3. Why is the Lord, and they already complaining and grumbling against Moses and Aaron. Now they're taking it up higher. Why is the Lord bringing us into this land 
to fall by the sword. What is wrong with him? He expects us to follow him, and he's taking us into the land where, the, where our leader said, it is a bad land. We've got big people, got big walls, got big fruit, got big everything, and we're like grasshoppers, and he's taking us out there. We're not going. We're not going. Our wives, now they're, they're speaking for their wives. See this? Here are the men. They're, they're leading the wives and their children. Our wives and our little ones will become plunder. Would it not be better for us to return to Egypt? Wow. These are words now. So we're asking a question. What is God looking for and listening for in his leaders? And he's hearing all this. Verse 4. So they said to one another, let us appoint a leader and return to Egypt. This Moses, he's following God. They both going to fall in the ditch. What we're going to do, we're going to choose us another leader from these these ten that gave us a, a correct report, we're going to choose a leader out of them and we'll go back to Egypt. Okay. Verse 5, what does these, what do these, uh, let's see what happens to these leaders. Then Moses and Aaron, now the, here, here we got the leaders now. Then Moses and Aaron, fell on their faces in the presence of the assembly of the congregation of the sons of Israel. They fall on their faces. In other words, they, they are saying, oh no, oh God, have mercy. Because they know what, Moses knows what God is going to do. And here, here's, here's another leader, Joshua, the son of Nun, and Caleb, the son of Jeho, uh, Jehuda, Je- <laughs> Jephunneh. Thank you, Jephunneh. Of those who had spied out the land, they tore their clothes. They tore them. Now, you mean, when you tear your clothes now, now you're saying, I don't agree with this. Shame on y'all. This is terrible. I'm going to tear my clothes because this is, this, is, this is terrible. Something's going to happen. We can't do this. We can't talk like this. We, we, can't, we can't listen to this. So Moses and Aaron, they're on their face. Joshua and Caleb tearing their clothes. Now these are leaders now. And the other leaders are, mm-hmm, yeah, you can tell all you want to, you know. Verse 7. And they spoke to all of the congregation of the sons of Israel, saying, the land which 
we pass through to spy out is an exceedingly good land. This is Joshua and Caleb. If the Lord is pleased with us, then we will bring, he will bring us into this land and give it to us. And the land which flows with milk and honey. Only do not rebel against the Lord and do not fear the people of the land, for they will be our prey. You're talking about our children, little one, wives, and little ones going to be their prey. No, these giants and everybody ought to be, they're going to be our prey. Their protection has been removed from them. And the Lord is with us. Do not fear them. That's how leaders talk, isn't it? But all the congregation said to stone them. Let's stone them with stones. Everybody get a stone. Let them keep talking like that. They're not going to talk long. They're not going to talk long. We're going to stone them to death. Now, this is a sad sentence I'm going to read now. Sad for them. Then the glory of the Lord appeared in the tent of meeting to all the sons of Israel. Everybody's supposed to say, uh-oh, <laughs> uh-oh. Oh, my. Oh, my. See, Moses, Aaron knew that from the beginning. They fell on their face. Joshua and Caleb know, know, know that. They turned their clothes, and the rest of them around there grinning, and, and agreeing with the, with, the, with the ten crazy spies, and they know that something's going to happen. Verse 11. The Lord said to Moses, How long will this people spurn me? And how long will they not believe in me? What does God want us to do? Believe in him. To agree with him. To support him. Despite all the signs which I have performed in their midst. Now, we can insert, what has the Lord done to you? What has the Lord done for you? What has he said to you? Has not the Lord been good to us? We are here to this morning because the Lord is good to us. Some of us have been sick. Some of us have been in the hospital. Some of us, you know, uh, uh, have had God to, to tell us things, to encourage us. God has been so good to us and to our children, to our parents. God is good. And we say that and we add on it. God is looking for us to say 
and to do according to his will when things are not going well because we don't walk by sight. We walk by faith. So when things are not going good, we want to see, God, what are you saying? And God says, this is what I say. In my word, I said this right here. Do you believe it? We have to say, yes, we believe it, Lord. Therefore, it's done. It's done. Everything that's come out of my mouth, everything I'm going to do, is going to support what you have said. Isn't that what uh, he said to Joshua? He says, let not this word depart from out of your mouth. So that means that everything I say is supposed to be the word of God. So we're supposed to be repeating what God says. And that's what Joshua and Caleb was doing. They were repeating what God said. God says that the land flows with milk and honey. God says he's going to give us this land. Well, how is he going to do it? I don't know how he's going to do it. I don't care how he's going to do it. All I know, he said he's going to do it. If he said he's going to do it, he's going to do it. Because God does it differently in different, with different people, different places. He'll do different things. He might send hornets out there. Can, can hornets run an enemy army away? Absolutely. Absolutely. He can send hell down and storm down. He does what he wants to do. He can cause them to fight against each other and kill each other out. Because, all because they got mad because uh, somebody went to sleep before I, I got a chance to go to sleep. You snored, and I'm going to get you because you, you didn't let me sleep. And so they start fighting, and here comes Jehoshaphat, and everybody dead. We don't know how he killed him. He might have sent a plague. We don't know. Is it our job to, to care about what God, how God going to do something? He just said, I'm going to do it. So that's why if he says that, hey, by my stripes you are healed. He says that Jesus did all these things to fulfill what was spoken by Isaiah the prophet, that he took your infirmities and bore your diseases. So does it matter if you're in the hospital? Does that mean that my word is untrue? No, it doesn't mean that doesn't mean at all. If he wants to use a doctor, can he use it? Absolutely. If he wants to use herbs, can he do it? Absolutely. If he wants to change your diet and it doesn't, can he do it? If he wants to just supernaturally heal you, can he do it? It doesn't matter how he does it. He says, I do it because my word says this. Well, I'll tell you. Verse 12 says, I will smite them with pestilence and dispossess them, and I will make you into a nation greater and mightier than they. Now, God is telling who that? Moses. And this is what a leader will do now. This is what a leader, so, so we, we're, trying to, we're trying to glean now 
what is God expecting out of leaders? Moses says in verse 13, he said, but Moses said to the Lord, then the Egyptians will hear of it, for by your strength you brought up this people from their from their midst. And they will tell it to the inhabitants of this land. They have heard that you, O Lord, are in the midst of this people. For you, O Lord, are seen eye to eye while your cloud stands over them and you go before them in a pillar of cloud by day and in a pillar of fire by night. Now, if you slay this people as one man, then the nations who have heard of your fame will say, because the Lord could not bring this people into the land which he had promised them by oath, therefore he slaughtered them in the wilderness. So nobody, he thought nobody would know it because he couldn't do it. They're going to say that, Lord. But now, verse, 13, verse 17, but now I pray let the power of the Lord be great just as you have declared. Now he's going to start quoting scripture. The Lord is slow to anger and abundant in loving kindness, forgiving iniquity and transgression, but he will by no means clear the guilty, visiting the iniquity of the fathers on the children to a third and fourth generation. Pardon, I pray, I pray, the iniquity of this people. According to the greatness of your loving kindness, just as you also have forgiven us, uh, forgiven this people from Egypt, even until now. That's what, that's what, that's what God is looking for out of a man, out of a woman of God. To, to lead. He's looking for them to repeat what he has said. Just repeat what he said. This is what the Lord says. Let's, let's, let's close in this. There's so much here and I want, I want to hear from you. It says, So the Lord said, I have pardoned them according to your word. Now, wait a minute. Whose word was it? It was God's word. All Moses did is quote what God said. That's what God is looking for out of us as leaders, out of any leaders. He's looking for us to quote his word. Stand on his word. Fight for the people that you're leading. You already know they talk a good game, but when the, when the chips get down, they're going to need somebody to lead them, to encourage them, and to stand in the gap for them because the enemy wants to destroy them. The enemy is feeding bad thoughts to them. The enemy is telling them to walk by 
sight and not by faith, you have to encourage them to walk by faith and not by sight. And you have to stand in the gap for these people so that the enemy won't have his way with them. I need a leader who's going to stand in the gap. I don't need a leader who's going to agree with me and say, yeah, kill them, Lord. Kill all of them. Give me some more. Moses could have said that, you know. But no. No. Moses said, I know God. God's looking for a man or woman who will stand in the gap. That's what he's looking for. Oh, I want to finish, but I can't do that. But look, hold on to what you got. And because and I know I went through some scripture. I want to hear from you next week. We're going to end this up next week. But I, I, I get enjoyment out of, out of kind of gleaning what God is looking for from me as a husband, as a parent, as a leader in the church, what God is looking for. And I know what he's looking for from you. And I'm trying to just encourage you the way he encouraged Moses, the way he encouraged uh, Joshua, where he encouraged um, Caleb because around this time, they were about what? How old? About 40. And when actually they came into all of what God said, everybody had died except Joshua and Caleb, who was 20 years old and above. All of them died in the wilderness. But Joshua and Caleb didn't. Joshua and Caleb now were 80 when they moved in to the, to the promised land. And do you know that God can keep you? He can keep you. I know you think you're old, but God can keep you just as spry and just as young. God can do anything he wants to because God is good. Thank you for listening to this message from Pastor Taylor and Cornerstone Community Church. We are located in Lynchburg, Virginia at 525 Old Graves Mill Road. You can find us online at cornerstonelynchburg.com, contact us by email, cornerstonecom at comcast.net, or call us at 434-847-4796. We pray the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance on you and give you peace.